بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد continuing with the discussion the reading of this kitab and a few explanations titled being the way to a happy married life hazrat maula shah ki mohd akhtar sahab rahmatullah alaihi so the discussion we had discussed the first and the second ayat that is recited in the khutbah of nikah in the cause of the discussion of the second ayat so explain the aspect about what is the meaning of wattaqullaha alladhi tasa'aluna bihi wal arham what is this awal arham that it includes on the one side one's parents and immediate family members and simultaneously the relationships that have been created by marriage the in-laws a person's parents in law etc they are also now included in this wal arham so this was the discussion so continuing from the point that we left off hazrat says that do not over petty issues reign with an iron fist do not over petty issues reign with an iron fist this is not in keeping with the teachings of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that a person reigns with an iron fist and want to have everything like military precision in his house and everything must be according to how he wants it and how he demands it rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had a very very easy going manner at home very easy going and minor things would be very very easily overlooked without any issue domestic issues matters that has anas radiyallahu ta'ala an he was the khadim of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for 10 years and he says for 10 years i was in the khidmat of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so 10 years is a long time in the matter of now being in somebody's khidmat and service for 10 years obviously how many situations would come about and he was a young boy so still being young inexperienced so sometimes you'll do something and make a mistake and do it wrongly some task some chore sometimes something might get forgotten something will get neglected in terms of daily day to day chores tasks work of that nature but he says in all these 10 years rasulullah sallallahu did not once say uff to me in 10 years nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not once say uff to me or if i neglected to do something obviously this neglect doesn't refer to dini matters in dini matters nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam would immediately set it right but this refers to household things work chores tasks he says that not once did i neglect something and he questioned me but why did you neglect this if i did something not in the way that it was meant to be done or something shouldn't have been done in terms of again day to day issues not once he took me to task but why did you do this now one day one week if we managed to maintain this that too would be a very big achievement on our part this is 10 years 10 years not one occasion of this nature so this this is the way in which this harmony and peace becomes a reality because 
in life, there are different situations that do come about. Various situations do come about. And everybody's temperament is not the same. But when somebody will adopt this approach in this manner, then you'll find others also then eventually conforming to that way. Now they should do what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. So in any case, this is the matter that he's explaining here. Do not over petty issues reign with an iron fist. Then I was giving an example in terms of the conduct of the husband, how he should conduct himself, just in regard to one particular as an example, he says, if the mother-in-law happens to be ill, one's wife is nursing her and tending to her needs and comfort, and she requests that one allow her to stay, meaning one allows his wife to stay for a few more days with her mother to look after her, do not adopt a high-handed attitude and refuse. Do not become insulting and harsh by telling the mother-in-law that after marriage, your reign over your daughter has ended. Don't you know what Allah Ta'ala has stated in the Qur'an? Allah Ta'ala states, الرِّجَالُ قَوَّامُونَ عَلَى النِّسَاءِ Men are the authority of a woman. Now, mashallah, the person remembered this ayat out of all the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif. All the other ayat of the Qur'an Sharif he forgot. All the other ahadith he forgot. This is what then explains. Amazing how well you have memorized this verse as if you are the allama of the age. Very great scholar of the age. I am in authority. Is this authority or mercilessness and unworthiness? Such a person's character is mean and lowly. If one's own parents were ill, how would one deal with them? This question that is being posed, if one's own parents were ill, how would one deal with them? And thereafter it says, therefore deal exactly the same manner as one would deal with one's own parents. This is actually the crux of one Hadith Sharif. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يُحِبَّ لِأَخِيهِ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِي Riwayat of Muslim Sharif, various other Bukhari Sharif as well. That a person is not a believer. This is the literal translation. لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ None of you is a believer. Now, this is a very, very stern expression. person is not a believer until <coughs> he loves for his fellow Muslim what he loves for himself. Now, this is the translation of this Hadith Sharif and it's meant to shake a person, shake his heart, make him reflect, make him look deep down within himself that what is the condition of my Iman in the light of this Hadith Sharif. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi saying, La yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsi. person is not a mu'min until he loves for him, his fellow Muslim, but he loves for himself. What is the explanation of this? Does it mean that anything a person has, he must pass it on to the next person? So then when that person gets it, he'll have to pass it on back also. Because then he must love it for you. So neither you'll have it or he'll have it. Somebody else will have to take it. But then that person has to practice on the same thing. That is not what is meant. Because that's not practical either. What is referred to here is, there's two aspects to it. And the aspect that is more directly relevant to what we are discussing is, that to put oneself in the shoes of the next person, and then consider what I would have liked for myself if I was in that situation. 
I was in that situation, what I would have liked for myself, now I must like it for the next person. For example, somebody has done something, they made a mistake, they did whatever it was, they neglected some task, some chore. So now if the tables were turned around, and I was the one who neglected it, I was the one who forgot to do something that was supposed to have been done, or I went to do something and I went and did something else by mistake, I did the opposite and messed something up. So now I was the party on that end. And the tables are turned around. Now what kind of treatment I would have wished for myself? That khair, I made a mistake, I did some wrong, that I should have done this work in this manner and then messed it up in some other way. Or I should have done this task and I forgot about it. Something of these day-to-day issues. Now I was the one who did the wrong and what kind of response I would have wished for myself now. I would have wished that now, if I'm in the other person's shoes, so now that person is in my place, so that person must come bearing down upon me like a ton of bricks, all kinds of abusive languages, all kinds of taunts, all kinds of criticism, all kinds of demeaning words. I would have liked that. I would have been very happy about it. I would have been very, very pleased about being treated in that manner. It's obvious. Nobody would want that. I would have wanted that, well, okay, be brushed aside, overlooked. And if something needs correction, then I'd be corrected in an appropriate manner. I'd be corrected in a courteous manner. So just as I would have liked that all the time. So then, that's what treatment I must give others also. That's the treatment I must give others. And we also make mistakes in our own situation where we in some, under somebody's authority or in interacting with somebody else, we have made some mistake. It might be a customer, for example, we did something which now went against what was the requirement and now the customer has come really upset. Now the whole deal is going to fall apart, whatever the case might be. Now what will be wishing? Oh, this person now just overlooks it and goes along. So now, Oh, whatever the situation might be, there are so many things that we also are always hoping that somebody treats us in a very compassionate way, they overlook our mistakes. So how come when the time comes when we have that authority over others, then we forget about overlooking mistakes, we forget about forgiveness. So this is a two-way street, not a one-way street. So this is the crux of this Hadith Sharif. That what would we have wished had we been in that position? So this is the question that Hazrat has asked here. That had it been our parents, then how we would have wished that the matter be handled? How we would have wished that we be, what kind of consideration we be given? The same thing must apply the other way around. So when a person would look at things in this manner, and this is not just something to just leave for a time when it happens, these are aspects to actually sit and ponder about. The muhasaba that we spoke about two nights ago, these things are also part of the muhasaba. At the end of the day, a person should sit and ponder, how did I deal with people today? How did I treat my wife? How did I deal with my children? How did I deal with people in the workplace? Whoever Whatever interactions have happened, how did I conduct myself with people? There were occasions when somebody 
uh, made a mistake, how did I react? Or sometimes people didn't even make the mistake, but how did I treat them? What kind of authority I was trying to reign over people and what I was doing? So this is something to be done. This is part of that muhasaba. It's part of that taking an account of ourselves. Checking within ourselves. What did I do? How did I conduct myself during this day? And when a person will genuinely and sincerely take stock of himself in this regard and look at himself in that situation now from the outside. Something happened. He knows what he did. He knows what he said. He knows how everything happened. So now replay that in the mind but away now. That's happening there and you sitting here and watching it. You're watching yourself, how you conducted yourself. Stand aside. And now watch yourself, how you conducted yourself. Replay that scene in your mind. This is what I said. What was my facial expressions at that time? How I was conducting myself? How was I screaming and shouting? And what kind of words I was using? Now replay that whole scene. And see how nice it looks. What a wonderful picture it gives. How endearing it is. And then one step further, then turn the tables around. And now stand aside and look at the same scene. But now with us on the receiving end, somebody else is doing the same thing to us. They are speaking to us in the same way. They are saying the same demeaning words to us. What we said about somebody's father and mother, now somebody is saying it to us about our parents. Then think about it. How does it feel now? This is not something that there's a... Some, Allah Ta'ala hasn't made it, made dunya in such a way that a person, everything happens in an instant, it'll just come right. Everything has a process. You have to undertake the process. Person, the child is born, not born instantly. There was conception and the next day the child was born. And then the third day the child is already one year old, walking around too. The fourth day, the child is asking for now on some chops and steaks. Doesn't happen like that. There's a whole process. So likewise, Islam is a process. You have to undertake the process. Just by wishing about it, person is just hoping, well, okay, it'll just come right. That conduct and character will just improve overnight. Just without, just one talk we heard, or something we read, and then it'll just come right. No, it won't come right just like that. There will be a process that a person has to subject himself to. And this muhasaba is a very important part of that process. A very key element in that process. And a person now takes that time. We have time for everything. We have time for that phone and for that social media and whatnot. To take out time for this. Take out time and now conduct our, that muhasaba. And replay this entire scene in this manner. That now we are sitting aside. We are watching this whole scene taking place again. All those incidents that happened for the day. Now see how nice we looked, the way we were conducting ourselves. And then one step further, replay it with ourselves on the receiving end of the same words, of the same screaming and shouting, of the same kind of conduct that we displayed. When this will be done repeatedly, one day, two days, it's not going to be a one day story. Ten days, maybe one month, maybe six months sometimes. But by that time, this consciousness would develop. Inshallah, it won't take six months. It will be long before that. If a person does it diligently, it will be long before that. It will be weeks maybe. But that consciousness will develop. Then when that 
when those words are beginning to come out of his mouth, he'll also remember that if somebody said this to me, how I would feel. Yes, there are things that need to be corrected. There are things that need to be set right. Can't just uh, let things happen as anybody just, those who are responsible to guide, we are responsible for their conduct. So you're going to have to set things right. Sometimes it might even be necessary that there's a need for some reprimand too. There might be a need for a reprimand. So when there's a need for a reprimand, then that reprimand will have to be given. But that's not what happens generally. Number one, if that reprimand is required, that reprimand doesn't require or doesn't mean that the person starts speaking all kinds of vulgarities or starts making demeaning statements or starts ridiculing and mocking. And the whole problem starts off with the way we even just, op- our opening line will always be upside down. A person wants to correct something, the opening line will be, how stupid can you be? That's the opening line. So now with that opening line, we've already opened a war zone. Because nobody wants to be called stupid. Even if it was an act of stupidity, nobody appreciates being called stupid. But now that's our opening line. Opening line, how can you be such a big fool? Now, if this is the opening line, what is going to happen thereafter? Because now you want to try and fill something into a container, some milk into a cup or whatever. Now, before filling that milk into the cup, you first make a hole under it. You made a hole under the cup, now you want to fill the milk. What milk is going to remain in there? Whatever is going to be poured in is all going to drain out. So now often we want to help somebody, we want to make somebody's slash, so to say, you want to correct somebody. So that correction, that rectification that we want to impart, we start off by drilling holes in the person's heart. So now when we drill the holes in the heart, with the opening lines that we started off with, so what's going to stay in? So if a person is truly desirous of correcting somebody, and this is not confined to a domestic situation between spouses, or for that matter between parents and children, anywhere, it might be our friend, or colleague, whoever it might be, one is that a person wants to correct somebody, but the motive is something else. Outwardly, you want to correct him, but the motive is something else. The motive is this fellow needs to be put in his place. You need to sort him out. So now this opportunity has come. So that motive is wrong, because that is looking for whatever happened sometime in the past now, this is an opportunity for revenge, but in a very, very dignified manner. Now, Somehow we'll have to tell it to him such, 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 such a way, somebody else must overhear it also. Somebody else must now, or at least that he must now feel something negative. That motive will already destroy the benefit of it. If the motive is sincere, solely for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, and my fellow Muslim also has a right over me, that if something is going to harm him, then I should help him to save himself from that harm. If he is doing something that is going to harm himself, or he is harming himself, then I should advise him. So that advice is out of his welfare, out of concern for him. Now if that is the motive, the process starts off with dua. The process starts off, the process of that correction, that rectification starts off with dua. Dua for him. So now there might not always be that opportunity to surround and first 
make two rakats nafil salah and then that opportunity is there all the better. It's something major, something more sensitive, something very delicate. Then we should do that too. Then don't just rush into something. Take the time. Make the two rakats salah. Make dua. Ya Allah, you guide me to say the right thing in the right manner. Ya Allah, you help him to accept what is right. But if that opportunity is not always there, at least that half minute dua, that 15 second dua in the heart. The person is sincerely wishing to correct somebody for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and to help his fellow Muslim. That process first starts off with dua. And after all, Allah Ta'ala is the controller of the hearts. It's not what our advice is and how eloquent we are in giving that advice and what beautiful words we have and what a nice way we can put it, nothing like that. All the control of the hearts are in the hands of Allah Ta'ala. Inna quluba bani adam bayna isba'ini min asabi'ir rahman yuqallibuha kayfa yasha That the hearts of this insan are between the fingers of Allah Ta'ala. This is figuratively being expressed. Allah Ta'ala is beyond any comparison to his creation. So meaning in the total control of Allah Ta'ala. يُقَلِّبُهَا كَيْفَ يَشَاءَ Allah Ta'ala can turn it as he wishes. So the starting point is to bring the help of Allah Ta'ala in that effort. That is a dua. So if it's something very sensitive, something very major, then we must take that extra steps. Make the two rakas nafil, salatul hajah. Make Allah Ta'ala's help. And if that's not possible at that time, the time is not available for it, something has to be done quickly, immediately, then too we'll start off with dua. From the heart, Ya Allah, you help me to say what is the right thing. Ya Allah, you help my fellow Muslim brother, you help my friend, you help whoever it is to accept what is right. Ya Allah, you make this a means of getting closeness to you. You save us from the traps of shaitan in this conversation as well. From the deviation of shaitan. So now, when it starts off with dua, inshallah, nafsaniyat won't creep in. Because this nafs creeps in very, very quickly and subtly in anything and everything. Now when the person has turned to Allah Ta'ala, he's, inshallah, cut off that nafs and that influence of the nafs in that matter. When he started off with making dua and he's asking Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, you help me to say the right thing in the right manner, then will such a person's opening line be, how can you be such a big fool? Will such a person's opening line be that, what a big stupid are you? And seem like one person, people have all kinds of unique descriptions. So one person, there was some argument carrying on. So now he says, you see that that's her problem. That her love doesn't go all the way to the top floor. Subhanallah, what unique descriptions people have. Her love doesn't go all the way to the top floor, so it means the brains are empty. It just goes from the halfway, whatever. So, sounds very, very eloquent and nice, mashallah, but somebody turns it around the other way. See, he's looking stuck on the ground floor. But now the person started off with this dua, he started off begging Allah Ta'ala's help. Ya Allah, you help me to say the right thing in the right manner. And his opening lines are not going to be like this. Let alone his opening lines, he'll be careful about what he's saying, how he's saying it. He'll be saying it in a way because his maqsood, his objective is islah, not ifsad. He's not trying to just create an argument here. He's not just trying to cause some problem and mischief. 
it's time to bring about some rectification. So how will that rectification happen? Now the person wants to, the, the car got dented, so now that panel beater needs to straighten it out. So now, how does he straighten it out? That now it got dented, the car, something bumped into it, there's a big bang. So now he says, okay, bang it hard from the outside, from the inside out, with the same amount of force. So first it went in, now the whole thing will come out. Ah, it's a very delicate process. He takes his time about it and he's standing it down and repeatedly because that dent has to be now brought back to normality. So now that doesn't happen with the same force. That now becomes a very, very, he takes that mallet which has got a rubber mallet, not even that any iron sticking out anywhere because that has to now, it has to be brought back into correct shape. So now it requires and he's tapping it He's not even banging it, tapping it very gently and then sanding it down and smoothening it. So why? Because now it must look right, the shape must come right, everything must be fine. Islah is the objective. That Islah is the correction, the rectification, bringing it back to shape. But if it's ifsad, it's just a matter of just, well, it's wrecked this way, we'll wreck it the other way, you know. Then there's no care required. Then go about it as you wish. Then just tear it down, it's fine. So when a person wants to help somebody, he wants to correct somebody, he wants to guide someone, and this is everybody's responsibility. We also require the guidance, we should help others also, in the extent of our capacity, what we can, how much we can. But the manner in which we go about it is crucial. Now this is where often many a problem in a home stems from this aspect. That we wish to now do something, we wish to correct somebody sometimes, and sometimes that intention is sincere too. But how we go about it becomes the problem. And it's sometimes one small problem, but how we try to rectify the small problem, we made it a bigger problem. And not just bigger problem, we made it many problems. So this is the aspect that we branched off from this point that Hazrat had asked, that the question, that had it been your parents, how would you have handled it? And now the person now in this time, all he remembers, at this time he remembers the ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, all the other ayat he forgot. If one's own parents were ill, how would one deal with them? Therefore deal exactly the same manner as one would deal with one's own parents. Display mercy. If need arises, cook your own food. Treat your mother-in-law in the same way as you would treat your own mother. Have mercy. Has the one who brought up her daughter for 16 years, 18 years, no more rights left after the nikah of that daughter? In other words, now that this person is demanding that now the nikah is over, so your rights over, your daughter over now. So don't have any say in this matter. Is this how it happens? Is this the reality? This is against the spirit of mercifulness and is real hard-heartedness. Rather, immediately say, yes, very well. Keep her for four more days instead of two days. When you are better, I will take her back. Also, come back to ask about your mother-in-law's welfare and help in serving her. She has given you her daughter a piece of her heart and you have attained her for nothing. You do not have mercy on her as you ought to have. Amazingly enough, if your son-in-law troubles your daughter, you run immediately to a pirsa putawis to subject him to your daughter and that he must listen to her and fulfill all her demands. It is not even permissible to have such a taweez made. 
So surely the amount that the Sharia permits should be fulfilled. So remember, O people who are seeking ta'weez, your wife is also someone's daughter. Thereafter is a discussion about anger and the remedy for anger. Inshallah, we'll continue with this tomorrow. Allah Taala give us the tawfiq. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah.